the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Weekday evenings on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. It's 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. Host Daryl Wood brings you the day's news and trending topics as only he can with a unique blend of conservative opinion, constitutionalism, and thought-provoking analysis. Join the conversation. 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood. A daily look at the news in a way you won't hear anywhere else. Tune in to 6 o'clock talk with Daryl Wood on FM 101.5 and AM 1400, The Patriot. Or stream at PatriotDetroit.com. You are in, in what part of the country? <laughs> Southwest Colorado. Wonderful. How are you picking us up? Oh, I stream you guys on my uh, iPhone every day. Fantastic. Um, I, I am a resident of Sterling Heights, but uh, I frequently come to Southwest Colorado. I am just thrilled to be hearing from you out there in Colorado. Continue to listen, tune in again, and call at your earliest convenience. Godspeed. Run to Win with Daryl Wood, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. on Faith Talk Detroit. This is Next Steps for Seniors with your host, Wendy Jones. Each week, Wendy brings resources and information to help guide you through those next steps for your elderly parent or loved one. Now, here's Wendy Jones with this week's guest. Hello and welcome to Next Steps for Seniors Conversations on Aging. I'm your host, Wendy Jones. And each and every week, we do our best to bring pertinent information to you, our listeners. Why? Because we care about you. We're all aging. Things happen in our lives. Many of them are not something that we think is going to happen, right? But when it does, you're like, hmm, I wish I would have known that was coming. Well, that's why you're listening to this program, because we do our best to give you information, resources as you age. We have those conversations on aging that nobody else wants to have. And our topic today is staying safe, aging in place. So a lot of times as we age, things start happening that you're not prepared for. And that is why I have two guests in the studio with me today. I have the owner of Uptalis Healthcare, uh, none other than Charles Dunn. Good morning, Charles. Good morning. And he has a radio voice. Oh, thank you very much for that. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. Charles is has 40 years of experience in the industry and truly one of my mentors. I've known Charles for, mm, I don't even want to know. I think it's been over 20 years, Charles, when I first met you. You think so? I think it has. All right, you were an administrator good. at a nursing home back in Wayne or Westland. Remember that's that? That's true. That's true. Yes. <laughs> so... So Charles has a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge. We're going to learn and we're going to grow from him today. And we also have Karina Denhart. Good morning, Karina. Good morning. Thank you for having me. We're so glad that you are with us today. And Karina is a director of nursing at the Allen Park location for Optalis. So thank you for what you do every day. Thank you. Yeah. So what we're going to talk about is really the topic of staying safe in your home, right? Because... Everybody wants to stay home, right, Charles? They don't want to go anywhere. They want to stay home as long as they can. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and people, the number one thing I think is falls. 
people, people fall in their home and that's what leads them to have to make some changes. So let's talk about that a little bit. Where, where do you feel like people fall a lot in their home? Well, that's a good question. You know, if I was to think about it, I think it's the bathroom, the shower area is very, uh, is one area where people fall. You know, if I had my way, there wouldn't be any more bathtubs in uh, bathrooms anymore. If you go to most hotels, they don't have uh, bathtubs anymore. So if anybody out there has the capability of having their family members tear out the bathtub and put a shower in, that's what I would do. Because just imagine getting into a bathtub and then getting out of the bathtub. Getting out of the bathtub, it takes a lot of work. I'm 70 years old. It takes me a lot of work to get out of the bathtub, and I'm a pretty strong guy. So, uh, of course, I always use the shower. But getting out of the bathtub, you have to have sli- uh, strips on the, uh, inside the tub. You have to have those um, handrails um, inside the tubs. And then, of course, when you get out of the tub, your balance has to be absolutely perfect or else uh, you will fall back into the tub. That happened to my father, by the way. But the shower is another area where you can um, fall also. And what I'm finding is that when people, after they're done taking their shower, what they do is they step out of the shower. And what are they stepping on? Uh, They're stepping on maybe it's a a floor mat. Maybe that floor mat is a slippery floor mat. Maybe it's an old floor mat. I think a floor mat that has... uh, rubber on the bottom and is thin and not one of those plush type uh, floor mats would be much better. But personally, when I, before I get out of t- a shower, I dry myself off mm. so, and, mm-hmm. so that my body is dry and especially my feet. But you bring up a great, po- oh, God, thank you for saying that. We need a hook right next to the shower that you can just grab your towel, open the shower door, grab your towel so you can dry off in the shower. Abs- great point. Abs- yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to be honest with you, when you're taking that shower, you may have to make sure that the floor inside the shower doesn't have any soap residual on it yes. because you can slip and fall in the shower, which is a catastrophe. But when you're getting out of the shower, you must make sure that you're on a dry surface, okay? Believe it or not, most falls do not happen around the sinks. They happen around the shower or the bathtub Mm. because you're standing up there. Yeah, and you make a good point about your feet being wet because especially if you don't have a mat and you step out on the tile too, again, slippery. It's very very hard surfaces. Uh, the, The whole bathroom has hard surfaces and the corners of the shower. So if someone falls in a shower, you're going to end up in a hospital. You're going to fracture a hip. And it's funny that we're talking about this because years ago I used to always frighten my mother by telling her stories about, Mom, don't do this, don't do that, don't do the other. And she always used to say to me, Honey, why are you doing this? You're frightening me because I don't want you to fall. And then years later she would say to me, You know, Chuck, um, my friend just fell. I said, See, I told you so. So it's funny that they, she finally, she never fell as a result of me frightening her. That's, so I'm not, that's fantastic. Well, I'm not See, trying to frighten people <laughs> in your audience here, but I'm right. just trying to give some good common sense advice about the shower, about bathing, about observing. And then, of course, let's just talk about the rest of the bathroom while we're on the subject. Yes, love it. Yep. Let's talk about the toilet itself. 
Mm-hmm. You know, when you have to bend really far down to get on uh, the seat of a toilet, it's really not comfortable anymore. So with the population aging as it is, to go out and buy a new toilet from Menards or Home Depot or Lowe's is really a very inexpensive. It's not that costly to put in. It's just switching out one toilet for another with a nice seat. And then if you do that, then, you know, buying a couple... Um, you know, handrails and putting them in properly. That's all you have to do. It's about two, three, four hundred dollars, and it could make all the difference. And you really, when you sit on a, a really nice toilet, um, you happen to feel more comfortable about standing up because that's the other part of the equation is uh, when you stand up and you have to clean yourself and you know put your put your um, uh, pants or dress on back on. You know, it can be really cumbersome. So this yeah. is why I'm saying that the toilet is another very important piece. Well, and, and we forget as we age, too, we, we really do start getting atrophy in our legs. It gets harder to, you know, unless you're doing squats every day when you're 70 or 80, right? But, but the toilet can be definitely an area of opportunity for all of us. Uh, it's absolutely. So that would, I think the bathrooms uh, would be the number one area. Now, there's another area that's just equally as important. And that is when you're laying in bed at night and you want to get up to go to the bathroom. Yeah, okay? absolutely. So this is important because I would say the average person gets up probably two to three times a night to use the restroom over the age of 80, don't you think? I think so. What do you think? At, at least, if not more. Okay. Right, I get up at least two or three. I'm 70. I, I get up two or three times. In the evening. See, I told everybody, we talk about the stuff nobody wants to talk about. So we're here being transparent, right? I mean, this is real life. It is real life. And this is where falls happen. It is. It it totally is. So here's a little bit of advice that I could give. You could go out and buy what they call the clapper, and it allows the, the lamp next to your bed to turn on so you can see where you're going. If you don't want to get the clapper, you can go, again, back to Lowe's, Home Depot, and they have this remote unit that you just plugs into the wall you plug your lamp into the side of this box and it has a little key fob that can sit right on the corner of your nightstand and so when you get up you just press the button and it automatically turns the light on so you don't have to stretch to get to the lamp okay and so what i did uh, many years ago is i took some velcro and i taped both sides of it so it would stick in one spot on the side of my nightstand, so all I had to do is press it. And if you have a wife you put, or a husband, you put it on both sides of the, uh, you know, you have two of each those Each of you going. on the end table on each right, side. Exactly. Right, exactly. Right, right, So that really makes it more convenient uh, to get up uh, in the middle of the night. Um, as a matter of fact, I even sometimes have a little flashlight so that I don't have to wake up my girlfriend um, regarding uh, the light. That's right. a fantastic so use, idea. You know a what I mean? Just a little little mm-hmm. tiny flashlight so I can find my way to the bathroom. I don't think that having um, thick uh, rugs next to your bed is a good idea because you can trip over that when you're getting up. But even before that, when you have to get up in the middle of the night, my suggestion would be get to the edge of the bed, get ready to stand, but don't stand. Take about 5 to 10 seconds and breathe. Because you've got to get your bearings straight. You just woke up. Your body is telling you, oh, i got to go to the bathroom. And you, don't, and you stand up too fast. You get dizzy. 
and you fall. I am so glad you just said that. I do this every time I get up. I literally sit on the edge of the bed and, and count to five. Yeah, well, because five is people, good. People just, they just jump out of bed and then all of a sudden they're like, whoa. Their you bearings know? are off and they... You're, the blood isn't getting to your head, right? Because We've got what a nurse happens here. Is, is when you stand up that quickly, your blood pressure drops. So that's what's causing your dizziness. So you need to be very careful when you get up that you are sitting on the edge of the bed for at least five seconds. We'd like to see 30 seconds. Um, get your bearings and then rise slowly. You know, that's very interesting you say that. I don't think it even matters whether you're getting out of bed or you're anywhere. Getting, or if a you're, chair. Uh, you're on the couch. You know, I think one of the greatest things is is um, that uh, that uh, recliner chair that lifts you up. I love those. Those are fantastic because you just press a button and um, we're going to talk sudden, about that in the next segment because I love that idea as well. You're listening to Next Steps for Seniors: Conversations on Aging. We'll be back in just a moment. Listening to Next Steps for Seniors Conversations on Aging. Our topic today: staying safe and aging in place. And we have our guests with us, Charles Dunn and Karina Denhart from Uptalis Healthcare, with an enormous amount of knowledge. Charles has been in the industry for forty plus years, and as you can tell, is very knowledgeable not just in his own personal situation, but with his patients and clients. So we were talking about in the last segment, uh, Charles, the chairs and blood pressure and how you need to be careful getting out of chairs and getting out of bed. And so there is something called, you just mentioned it before we went to break, I think the lift chair. The lift chair. Yes, you can buy these lift chairs at um, uh, Lazy Boy. You can go to a lot of stores. They have these lift chairs. They're not that expensive. They're somewhere around 700 to 850 I think you can get a really nice lift chair. And honestly, uh the recliner chair I like. The lift chair is a recliner also. So what it does, it just helps a person stand up and start to ambulate. Move forward. Move it kind forward. of lifts you up and forward a yes, little bit. Yes, because it takes a lot of energy, you know, especially if you're older, to get out of the chair, especially if you're overweight. It's, it's really a pain in the back, pain in the arms. It can be a real hassle. It makes a great gift, I think. And by the way, if you don't use the chair any longer... You can always sell the chair. I mean, people do buy used chairs because they can't afford a new one. It's not It's not a bad thought. Uh, you can put a cushion. I always think about putting a cushion on the chair in case if somebody has an accident or something. But the chair, I think, is a fantastic uh, idea um, in uh, bringing into the household. Because a lot of falls can happen because of the blood pressure, like Karina uh, mentioned, because you're trying to get up quickly, and this chair helps you maintain your balance better, lifts you up and over. You can get onto your feet and kind of stabilize before you, you start moving. You're absolutely right. And what, what Corinna was talking about with blood pressure is so, so important. People don't realize their bl- blood pressure dropping. Can you just talk about yeah, that? Yes. So, you, uh, you know, when you get up, you're sitting down or you're lying down. When you go to get up, you have a, you do have that shift in plane. So you, when you stand up to make it real simple, your um, circulatory system has got to catch up. So it starts out with the lower blood pressure, um, and then as you start moving, your blood pressure uh, begins to return to normal. Um, But it's very, very important that you remember that, um, because certainly you don't want to get a dizziness and then you you fall into the 
the floor and then you could experience a fracture. So do you think the five-second rule or a 10-second rule is to take a deep breath, get ready to stand up, get your body and your mind working together so that you can stand up and begin to ambulate and walk again? Yes, absolutely. You like that idea? Yes. All right. Well, I'm glad you do. (laughs) I like the idea, too. (laughs) That's good. The other thing that I think we should remember is that a lot of people are taking cold medication these days, that there's things in that cold medicine that could make us a little dizzy to begin with, drowsy. So all these things we have to take into consideration, what we're putting in our bodies when we're thinking about, um, you know, how to manage ourselves, especially today with the weather. Right, right. And and let's just say that for all medications. Let me just, I want to throw this out there because, you know, a lot of people don't read the side effects on their medication bottles or their prescriptions. And you can go to your pharmacist, whether it's CVS, Rite Aid, wherever you go for your, for your meds, stand under the little consultation line and say, Hey, can you tell me what the side effects are to these medications? So I'm aware And if it's drowsiness, like you said, I mean, people are driving and they don't even realize we just did a whole driving segment last week and they're taking some narcotics and they're driving and, you know, just things like that that they're not thinking about. Also to take your meds with water. Absolutely. Water is your your friend. You'd be shocked how many people take it with coffee, with milk, with you know, with food or without food, you got to look at that on the labels too. Okay. So back to the falls, Charles. So back to the falls. So you brought up water. Okay. This is like the greatest, the most natural subject to talk about water. When do we drink water? How much water do we drink? Most people, especially when you get older, most people don't want to go to the bathroom because of the effort that it takes just to go to the bathroom itself. So they don't drink water and they're training their body the wrong way. So in the nursing home business, we, what we call uh, drinking water and bowel and bladder training. So here's an example of what I'm talking about. Let's say you're a person that goes to sleep every night around 8 o'clock, okay? When was the last time you had a good couple glasses of water, okay? To be honest with you, you tell me if I'm wrong. It should be at least an hour before you go to bed. Flush your body. What do you think of that? Absolutely. Because probably the last time they drank was might have been 3 p.m. in the afternoon. It's now 8. Okay. So there you go. So if you're, if you're training your body to drink water before you go to bed, and, and right before you go to bed, you go to the bathroom whether you want to or not. You go to the bathroom and you try to flush your bladder out so that what you can probably get a better night's sleep and you'll feel more comfortable. But then, on the other hand, you may have to get up in the middle of the night and go again, and that's just how that works. But aren't there medications that they have out there that could possibly help with uh, urinary, uh, with urinary incontinence or? Uh, bladder control? Yes, there are. There are several medications. So definitely, you would, if you're having that problem at night, um, have that conversation with your physician. So your physician is your best guide. You know, that's a great idea. Uh, this is a subject we shouldn't be shy of uh, because going to the bathroom is really where a lot of these falls are happening at night. Uh, dizziness, uh, not drinking enough fluids, dehydration. Dehydration doesn't take very long, by the way. So, so what happens, just because we have you, Karina, this is a great question. What happens when your body's dehydrated? How do you know you're dehydrated? Do you slow down? Do you, like, what are the symptoms? One of the symptoms is, is that your skin, you're 
you're going to notice it in your skin right away. So on the back of your hands, a, a little test to, to see if you're dehydrated is pull that skin up. And if it stays like a tent, you're dehydrated. Could you say that again, please? <laughs> no, really, because it's a very it good is test. It, this is, it's very simple. We're just all sitting here right the now. The back of so your you know, hand, pull that. Take your, take your other hand. Take your two fingers, so your thumb and your forefinger. Pull that skin up, but if it stays... You're dehydrated. Oh, my God, I'm dehydrated. Yes. <laughs> Do you have any water? I'm thirsty. Right here oh, it thank is. You. But thank this you. is, no, this is important because, honestly, seniors, when you go to the hospital, I am, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say 80%, but you tell me, Karina, are dehydrated. They're yes. dehydrated. The first thing they do is give you an IV. Absolutely. You need fluids. Well, here's newsflash. By the time the emergency room gets to you, you've probably sat there long enough <laughs> where you're probably dehydrated already just from laying uh, on a gurney. Which he's That's probably so right. Okay, I'm you're not going lie. in an ambulance if you have to, God forbid, and then you're laying there in a gurney and they're taking their sweet time to uh, take care of you unless you're having a heart attack. And so you're getting dehydrated just sitting in, uh, you know, in, the, in the gurney. So or, I do uh, want to add, I'm glad you said that about the ambulance. I want to add one quick thing that I had a client who thought she was having a heart attack and drove herself to the hospital. Now, yeah. if you think you're having a heart attack, please call 911. Two things happen. Number one, they start working on you as soon as they get to your house. And number two, you go to the front of the line at the hospital. When you drive in... Chances are high you're sitting in the waiting room in the ER. So I just want to say emergency is true emergency. Let's please call 911 and use the ambulance service. Absolutely. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Let me ask you a question. Dehydration and headaches. Don't you get a headache uh, when you get somewhat dehydrated? Oh, certainly. Some people can get a headache. Um, Dry mouth. Um, You're going to have absolute dizziness. Um, You're going to feel weak. You're not going to feel yourself. So it's real funny that we're, you know, talking about sitting around and I'm about ready to have a little bottle of water here. So what do you think about a bottle of water next to your bed versus a glass of water? Because to me, I drink the bottled water because it's got a small little uh, spot that I could just pour in my mouth versus a glass. It's just easier. Besides, the plastic, you can grip onto it and just take a little swig, and I think it's better than a glass. What do you think? I agree. Um, You're able to grip that a lot better. um, So you're able to hold on to it and then you're not accidentally spilling it all over yourself at night. See, these are little common sense things. I don't have, even though I have 40 years more experience, (laughs) this is is, is all common sense. This is all common sense. (laughs) These are things that, you know, we have to help our parents with. And If they're stubborn, you've got to get through to them that, Mom, these are the things, or Dad, these are the things that need to be done. Why? Because we love you. That's really, at the end of the day, you love them, and they love you, and you want to make sure that they can stay as home as long as possible. As safe as possible. Safe, and you mm-hmm. know what? That's a great threat. Mom, if you don't want to go to a nursing home, <laughs> you better do these things because you may fall and slip, and then you'll end up in the hospital. And nobody wants to do that. We and all want to stay home, to do and that. we want to be healthy and safe, and that's why we're having this program today, because we are helping you with resources, with information to stay safe in your home. Absolutely. And I want to ask you that question about, you, you talked about bowel and bladder training. We only got 30 seconds left, so we might need to move this into the next segment because I do feel like there's kind of a system our body gets on, right? Do you recognize you're getting up at the same time at night? 
Do you recognize you need to go to the bathroom so many times a day? Right? So there is some training that we actually can, can talk about. There's we're going we're to do that in the next segment because it's important to know when you're drinking fluids because it's like a catch-22, right? Oh, I don't want to drink. I don't want to go to the bathroom. Well, we need to do this. This is important. We're going to be back in just a, a moment. You're listening to Next Steps for Seniors, Conversations on Aging. continue our conversations on aging and the topic today as you all know is staying safe and aging in place and our guest Charles Dunn and Karina who is an RN and has been very knowledgeable and helping us better understand the whole bowel bladder hydration thing but you know these these topics are so important but before we do anything Charles Dunn has this like radio voice so I'm going to have him do like a pillow talk like just give us a little bit of that and here we are ladies and gentlemen if you can't find it today you can't find it anywhere <laughs> i love it <laughs> i think it's fantastic Thank i you. love Thank the you. deep raspy awesome voice, voice. Yes, yes, you yes. you just have that pillow talk voice Thank i had you. to have you do Thank that you. for us um so he was doing it on commercial break that's why i made him do it live so let's move into that we are talking about hydration we're talking about bowel and bladder training. So because we have a nurse in our presence and everybody wants to know, this is a big, huge topic. Huge. With everybody, not just seniors. No, it is with everybody. And, you know, there's so many probiotic products out there. There's um, there's nutritional support products. There, there are. There are many, many products. I mean, you've got to find out what's really work, what works for you, right? Yes. What do you think? Well, you know, we have to remember that as we age, unfortunately, gravity is not our friend. Um, and then um, also, you can also retain a small amount of urine in your bladder. So with that sitting there longer, um, you have a higher risk of a greater bacterial, bacterial load, um, which can cause a UTI. What is a UTI? Urinary tract infection. So there is bacteria that is um, sitting there in your bladder, um, and they're not our friends. Well, how do you get rid of the UTI? Well, you, some, uh, sometimes you may have to go to the, the physician's office to give a sample of urine to determine whether or not you have bacteria in your urine. Um, and if you do, the, the physician's going to prescribe an antibiotic. It's very common. Okay, you're the nurse. I'm not, but here's an ex- I'd like signs and symptoms. Because I have had residents in our facility that actually their minds have changed. They, they're so out of sorts. Well, let's Hall- talk about hallucinations. that. Hallucinations. Um, you, you might hear family members say, you know, mom's just not herself. Yes, yes. I don't That's feel, what I'm talking I don't about. feel well. Yes. Um, something's off today. Right. Um, mom has memory loss, and oh my God, do we have to put her in a uh, memory care unit? And it's really not the truth. No. She could be experiencing a UTI, urinary tract infection. Loss, loss of appetite, more frequency to the bathroom, complaining of pain. Wow, these are really important things. I hope everybody has a pen and paper and writing these things down because, I mean, if you really want to help mom or dad stay at home longer, the urinary tract infections, I've never seen so many of them, uh, you know, in the nursing homes and in the hospitals lately. Let me ask you a question about uh, this. 
What do you think about cranberry juice and those types of fluids? Is that an old wives' tale? You took the words right out of my mouth. I was dying to know that answer. So cranberry juice, the thought process was that it's going to change the acidity of your bladder. So most bacteria do not like to live in an acidic bladder. So that's where the, the cranberry juice thought process comes from. And there are studies that do suggest that it does help. Well, and they have cranberry pills. I mean, would that, wouldn't that be a great option, take a cranberry pill? Yeah, if day? you can swallow it. I don't know. A lot of people or don't like swallowing juice. it. One or the other. Drink, you can cut the cranberry juice if it's too sweet because a lot of people complain about it's too sweet. You can cut it 50-50 yes. if you want. The idea is cranberries are good for you, right? They are. And so drinking more fluids, finding a fluid that you might like, like there's energy drinks. I know that I go to Costco. You can buy those little packages of energy drinks. I think they're about a dollar a piece, and it's supposed to give you energy. I mean, I drink them. I actually, what I do is I just cut open the little bag and throw it in the, throw it in the glass, and sometimes even in a, 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 a plastic bottle, shake it up and drink it. And a lot of people swear by that. Um, I think it's a preferential situation don't you think i I agree but what do you think about those energy drinks you have to be careful to read the label to see what's in them because some of those even though they may sound not harmful they can interact with medications lots of sugar lots of caffeine so you got to be careful so my mind is now going into insure you know that product insure that they sell lots of people take I don't know as much about it as you do, so why don't you explain it? So Ensure is a, it's a dietary supplement to help with the protein needs and the calories in, in a day. Um, and that's for folks that usually probably are not eating well and they're not getting enough caloric intake. Um, you want to be careful because if you're a diabetic, you want to make sure that you're getting the uh, lower sugar Ensure. Um, because obviously you don't want to increase your glucose um, for the day. Ensure is definitely a product that we all are aware of. We need to we need to um, definitely be taking it on a regular basis if we need it, right? If we need the proteins right. and we need the, but we also want to be aware of all the things that are in it too. Um, just to transfer into a new topic, I want to just ask about um, trip hazards because we talked about that a little bit. In when you in the first segment, Charles, when we were talking about getting out of bed and going to the bathroom, because it's easy to trip over rugs, it's easy to trip over pets. Absolutely. Uh, as a matter of fact, a lot of people when they get out of bed, they put their slippers on, and when you put your slippers on, hopefully you're waiting about five seconds to actually walk, but you're putting your slippers on, and then as you're walking to the bathroom, you really need to make sure that there's nothing on the floor, even pets or towels or anything, uh, a rug, that may cause you to possibly fall. Yes, absolutely. Um, it doesn't take, you know, one step and you could be on the, on the ground. So you want to make sure that you're, you get those up and you're cognizant of where your pet is. You know, it's interesting because some people will even use walkers. They, you know, uh, a, a four-legged walker that you hold on to and you walk to the bathroom because you're a little unsteady. And so that's not a bad idea, but a lot of people don't want to do it because it 
makes them feel as though that they're handicapped, which, you know, I can completely understand, but that's what walkers Safety are made first. for. Safety first. Absolutely. We got to stay safe and make sure that you're, you're looking at your electrical cords too, and they're not in the uh, walkway. Certainly you would not want to trip over your electrical cord to your lamp. That's true. So, again, going back to the lamp, I really believe that getting that lamp from uh, a remote unit, it's, it's, it's $20. And you just plug that thing into the wall, and you plug your lamp into the box, and you have this little pendant, and you press the easy. button. It makes life easy. But I, sure I believe in Velcroing it so it's always in the same place, and you don't lose it. That's another key factor right there. Exactly. I think so. I exactly. Think so. Yep. so so what's interesting is you know, we're really trying to talk about staying safe, staying in your home as long as possible, utilizing some of the tools and the support systems that are out there to keep you there as safe as you can. You know, as a matter of fact, you can call um the Area Agency of Aging. They have a lot of folks there that could be helpful. There's carpenters that will come out if you need a carpenter for a ramp or to install this. There is community uh, support groups all over, not just the area agency. Right. Of there's aging. a lot of there's a lot of um, support out there for sure. Let's fast forward. So hypothetically, our goal on this program was to keep you from falling. But let's say you do fall. Let's just say that there is a fall. You end up in the hospital. Can we transition into this last segment? We got two minutes in this segment and then one more. I want to talk about the benefits of of rehab and how you get your body back to where it was before. Because if something happens, which of course nobody wants it to happen, but it might, you end up on the ground, you break a hip, a knee, whatever it might be you end up in the hospital. Can you, um, Karina, kind of talk us through that hospital stay, usually you've, you know, and how Medicare works? So your benefit of Medicare um, is if you have a hospital stay, you need three days for or straight Medicare to have a, what they call consider a qualifying stay. Once you come to us, we it's either referred to as a rehab facility or a skilled nursing facility, you will work with physical therapy, occupational therapy, and sometimes speech therapy, as well as nursing. In the rehab facility. In the rehab facility. Mm-hmm. So the goal is to get you back to or close to your prior level of function. And then you're able to go home at that point. That's true. I, I have to tell you, uh, as a builder of a nursing home, so most of our facilities now have private rooms. And the reason why this has all come up with private rooms is people want their privacy. So when they do happen to have an accident of some sort, they end up in a rehab unit, you get a private room, you go to rehabilitation. The average length of stay in a facility for some sort of a fall of some sort is about 15 to 20 days is the maximum because the insurance companies are watching. And if there is no progress, if there, that's the key word, no progress, then they will cut you off and then you have to go home with a home health company. But my thought is get the rehab in a facility because they have all the equipment there. That's the important about a rehab unit. They have the equipment because you can't get that exercise in, at home. And our goal is to get you stronger and better. You're listening to Next Steps for Seniors, Conversations on Aging. We'll be back in just a moment. Um, right. Let me interrupt here, though. The news flash is there has to be progress. When you go to the facility, there has to be progress. The key 
Here is progress and length of stay. Most of these insurance companies, really, uh, the average is about 15 to 20 days. The beauty about going to a rehab center is um, they have all the equipment there. They uh, treat you with kit gloves. If you are living on the second floor in your house or a condo, it's very hard to get therapy. A home health agency, it's a nightmare, in my opinion. So for the first, um, you know, 20 days or 15 days, uh, you go to the facility, and they will get you, uh, you know, the exercise that you need uh, and the treatment that you need in order to um, get you back home because that's where you want to go is back home. Exactly, exactly. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in just one moment to talk more about staying safe. Welcome back to Next Steps for Seniors, Conversations on Aging. Our topic today, staying safe, aging in place. And I wanted to transition a little bit into this in this last segment. Nursing homes have come a long way. Long-term care facilities, we call them. Can you tell us a little bit, Charles, because you've been in the industry for so long and you've got so much knowledge, how has that evolved over time? You know, it's a it's a real interesting subject uh, to talk about, and I know it like the back of my hand. It really started back in the 1950s, and they were called rest homes back in the day. For those that are listening, I don't know if you're if you're young, you probably don't remember the rest home, but I'm sure if you're in your 70s or 80s or 90s, the rest home was a place to go for rest, and uh, there really wasn't too many rules and regulations back in those days because the population uh, isn't to where it is today. So in the 70s, uh, as uh, the population grew, the states around the country and the government realized that they had to put um, regulations in place and started to regulate these buildings. And so it was in the 70s when there was a massive growth of uh, nursing homes around uh, the state and in Michigan. Um, But the care then started to change as well. It went from what they called basic care to skilled care. Those were the two differentials in the... And that was around the 70s? That was in the 70s. And as people started to get used to uh, that concept, there was also a lot of stories, bad stories, about abuse and neglect in these facilities that went through the 70s, the 80s, and the 90s. And I think that's what a lot of people remember about the industry um, back then, about the stories. And as a result of those stories, there was a lot of pressure on the states and the government to come in and try and shut down those facilities. So it was in the 90s. I remember this because I remember being involved in watching nursing homes being closed by the state because of the absolute negligence that took place back then. Today, it's a different story. Uh, Today, there's a lot more penalties involved. The public knows how to um, uh, call the state. The state comes out, they visit, and if there's a complaint, they're going to deal with that too. And uh, it's really evolved. The care has evolved. You know, nursing homes today are not just long-term care. We are really short-term care, long-term care. Some nursing homes have assisted livings attached. So it's the continuum of care that's taking place. Uh, We have to serve both populations. Um, The long-term care residents are going to be there long-term. 
a lot of them are Medicare. Uh, some of them are uh, private pay. But we're there to serve those folks. The, the short-term patients, um, they'll come out in for their treatment, and they'll go home. Long-term patients, I want to talk about long-term uh, care patients. I want to talk about dialysis care for patients. I want to talk about respiratory care for long-term care patients. Uh, they, I was the first in the state of Michigan that put a dialysis unit in a nursing home in Westland. And I did that because I couldn't stand seeing residents go out to uh, a dialysis unit for treatment. When you go out for uh, to uh, DaVita or... Um, one of the other uh, clinics uh, for treatment, this is how it goes. You have to get up in the morning, you get dressed, you're, you're, you're really not hungry, you go to the dialysis treatment, spend four hours there, maybe six hours, then you come back to wherever you came from. Your whole day is being spent on a dialysis machine, basically. The quality of life is not good, but there are people that have been doing it for a long time. But the, I got to admit that there are no other ways of doing it. Uh, um, I know that you can be dialyzed at home in your house. Some insurance companies will pay to have someone come in and dialyze you at home, or else the caregiver can dialyze you at home also. That's why they call it home dialysis treatment. That's different than going to DaVita or um, one of these other organizations for clinic treatment. The other way to do it is if you're a long-term care patient in the nursing home, you can get treatment in the facility. It's becoming um, a growing uh, segment of some of the nursing homes that can manage this properly. I know we have two. We have one in Shore Point, uh, which is in uh, Jefferson, um, and uh, we have one in Westland. We're building four more. Uh, one of them is going to be in Sterling Heights. One of them is going to be in Troy, Allen Park, and Ann Arbor. These units are eight-chair units. We don't have any more than eight chairs, meaning we can handle maybe about 16 patients. The beauty about what we're doing is you can be dialyzed in an hour and a half to two hours. There's no more of this all for day. It, all mm-hmm. day. But the beauty of this is that they're getting treated five days a week. So they're stronger, they're healthier, they're eating better, the results, they're not going to the hospital as often. So it's really becoming a fantastic thing. As a matter of fact, I think it's being recognized all over the country now. The only problem is is that um, the Medicaid program in our state of Michigan, which I've been fighting for years, does not want to recognize the cost. So the nursing home operator has to eat the cost for the treatment, but we do that, I do that because it's you in the, care. I do care about yes. the residents, and if you would ever come to our facilities that have it, you would be amazed. These are state-of-the-art units. They cost about $450,000 to build, but to be honest with you, I don't care at this point. I, I'm here to take care of the residents. Well, and you've got and 18 locations in Michigan right now, 18 facilities in Michigan, 16 in Metro Detroit. So you have services talking about how it's evolved. From the 1950s, right, to today, you guys are almost like little mini hospitals. I mean, the things that you're offering is incredible. Well, here's another one, respiratory therapy, COPD, CHF. Why don't you talk about those for Because you know more about it. You're a nurse. Well, what happens is when you um, are diagnosed with COPD, um, your respiratory status is not like it once was. So you may be on oxygen. Um, which that alone, um, your difficulty breathing, 
you're on oxygen, you're at greater risk of developing a respiratory illness. Um, so if you go to the hospital, let's say you are diagnosed with pneumonia, you have that stay, you come to us, we have that respiratory therapist that will take care of you as well. Right. That was the one thing that I recognized years ago um, for taking care of people uh, that have respiratory issues. You need a respiratory therapist. We can't uh, rely just on a nurse uh, that's passing medications and doing all those functions uh, to take care of the rest of the long-term care patients to be able to handle the respiratory therapy. Uh, COPD, CHF. You know, I don't know if you realize this, but 50% of the folks in assisted livings all have some sort of respiratory issue. And when they end up in the nursing home, uh, it's severe. And um, in a couple of our facilities, I have piped in oxygen uh, in the walls because uh, we can handle up to 15 liters, which is very good for our long-term patients. But I have to tell you, uh, the model that a lot of the nursing homes are trying to go to is called subacute care, which is a high-level of uh, treatment for residents that is different than the lower levels. Would you agree with that? Agreed. So a lot of those folks have a lot of comorbidities that um, nurses and therapists need to balance. So that's where that piece comes in. What is a comorbidity? It is, let's say that you have a diagnosis of diabetes, CHF, um, and you also have uh, COPD. So those are your comorbidities. You know, I'm glad you said that because something that's very interesting to me is this. If you have to send a loved one to the facility, after three days, what do we have? We have a resident care conference, and it's absolutely critical for the family to be there to understand what we're dealing with and what the facility can do, what's the long-term goal, get them home as soon as possible. Everyone has to be on board. And I'll be honest with you, the nursing homes today do not want to keep the residents any longer than they have to. In fact, there are all kinds of rules and regulations. And the insurance companies. And the insurance companies are all over you. So you really want to get them home and to the most appropriate place. And so the home health companies are involved now. And there's a lot of, you know, I think... I think the whole industry has turned around beautifully uh, to help the residents, you know, age in place at their home, at their apartments, at their senior high rises, wherever they're at. Exactly, exactly. So Uptalis Healthcare, I want to share if anyone is in need of skilled nursing care and you have questions for yourself or a loved one, I would love you to call their centralized admission center, which is 248 433 2700. You can call, you can ask questions. They have, like we mentioned, 18 different locations throughout the state of Michigan. And rehab is very important. What you're doing for our residents is very important. And it's so interesting to see how it's transitioned over the course of time. We are in a way better place. This isn't like back in the day, don't put me in a home. This is like, I need help. I need people to surround me, strengthen me, support me. And that's what you do. So thank you both for what you do. Thank you. Thank you. So one of the things that I want to mention, uh, and I think this is also very important, if your loved one is in assisted living or at home and you can start to see that they're declining a little bit, don't wait to the last minute. Go out to facilities, do your homework, 
Uh, check the facilities out. See if they have respiratory therapists. If they don't, how do they manage the residents? See what kind of therapy they do. They're all open for business. They're all here to help. And the number again is 248-433-2700. Thank you and have a blessed day. You've been listening to this week's edition of Next Steps for Seniors with your host, Wendy Jones. You can reach Wendy with any questions you have at area 248-651-5010. That's 248-651-5010. Join us again next week as Wendy provides more information and resources for those important next steps for your elderly parent or loved one. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.